Hi, and welcome to the Online Performance Podcast, the podcast that aims to help you elevate your online earnings. My guest today is a travel blogger turned SEO expert. She's a dog lover, a course creator who smashed her target of achieving a 100K month in 2023. I'll say that again, a 100K month, and we're talking about US dollars there. It is, of course, Nina Clapperton. Nina, pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Jason. So cool to be here. Thank you. So yeah, we're going to we'll get into a little bit of your backstory in a moment. And and for, for anyone that's not listened to this podcast before, really, I, I kind of want to delve into the kind of psyche and the, the inner workings of your mind really as to kind of what has driven you to have success. Because I know there, were, there was a time where you plugged away and plugged away and you didn't have that success. So I want to really delve into kind of what kept you going. And, and we're going to talk, you know, specifics as well. So plenty to dig into today. But we start each podcast with the same question which is what is online success? So essentially, what does that mean to you? The kind of joke answer I want to give, but I think it's kind of true, is it's freedom and kind of saying F you to the people that didn't think I could do what I wanted to do. Um, So I think it really is like getting financial freedom to have flexibility and do what you want, whether that means you're making $100 a month or Ten hundred. I don't know. That's not the right number I was thinking of, but some amount of money a month. Um, I think it's all about your perception. But to me, it really just means freedom and flexibility to do what I need to do. Brilliant. And can you remember when that happened for you? Is there like a specific date? Yeah. (laughs) What was it for you? What? When did you feel like you'd achieved that online success? Well, honestly, it happened really quickly because I wasn't well monetized for a really long time. I didn't do affiliates, so I kind of had to wait till I hit Mediavine, and that was in June 2022. And then I finally started doing affiliates the same month, and then within six weeks of getting onto Mediavine, I had my first $10,000 month. So things like grew really quickly because I was leaving everything on the table. So it was one of those moments where like the whole month I had a roommate at the time and I kept like running to his room because we both worked from home. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's this much now, Kyle. (laughs) And he was like, are you okay? Like what's happening? (laughs) So that's like a very visceral memory for me. It's like me and my golden retriever running across the house to go and like give updates. It's amazing. And I think I think it does happen like that for so many of us, doesn't it? It's like this uphill struggle. It's like you push it. We've all seen the the pictures, haven't we? The you know, the boulder and you get into the top of the, the hill and then you know it's it's so hard to get to that top point. But then once you do, it almost snowballs. Um so obviously that was the experience for you. A hundred percent. And I think like I just didn't know what I didn't know. So like nowadays I could definitely build a site and earn money a lot faster, but I think I needed all the time of pushing the boulder and the boulder like slipping and falling back on me and everything. Um, One of my favorite books actually is called uh, Touching Spirit Bear. And it literally has a passage like that where um, this guy is trying to push this rock up the hill as like kind of a penance sort of situation. And he keeps slipping, but every time he slips, he learns something. And I wouldn't be here without four years of very muddy slipping and tumbling down the hill. <laughs> yeah, and it 100% makes you appreciate it, doesn't it? I think, you know, because it is it is easy to kind of slip into that complacency once you get to a certain level. But I think if you've gone through that true struggle to get there, you appreciate it all the more. And I think you do as much as you possibly can to protect yourself from going back to those days. So we're going to dig it. Yeah, we're definitely going to dig into a lot of that. But let's, let's just rewind for a second. And can you kind of talk us through what your your background i suppose so kind of from i don't know high end of high school to where you are now just like a whistle stop tour if you can uh so graduated high school wanted to go as feasibly could from home i had already i lived abroad the first time by myself when i was 16 and so i was like let's go abroad and my mom said no so i found the furthest flight i could within canada um within the one airline she allowed me and went to dalhousie did a business degree, dropped out three days in and switched over to a creative writing medieval literature degree. Um, And then kind of kept going from there, graduated and applied to 298 jobs, got turned down from all of them, including the MLM, which was really disheartening. Um, I didn't know what to do. So my family are all lawyers. 
So I was like, okay, I'll go to law school. So um, wrote my LSATs, but you have to wait for that to come back and then apply. So I decided I was going to go to Europe for a year. I had about $3,000 to my name, and I found a way to do it where I actually made money, which was pretty cool. Um, but then got a full ride to law school, but wasn't really happy about it. So instead, I found a $200 flight to New Zealand, moved there for a year, and then did a publishing master's in Oxford. And then the pandemic hit, and I got sent back to Canada living in my sister's basement. And that's really where I started like focusing on the blog more. I started it when I was in New Zealand, but um, I was working for the government down there. I was moving around a lot. So I was like not really doing it, I guess. Um, and then for my sister's basement, I was like, cool, I don't wanna live in this basement. So I kind of need to do something. Um, and I couldn't get a publishing job at the time. So did this, um, went back to work for a law firm that I had clerked at a few times and then was able to finally leave it at the beginning, literally a year ago in a week, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, so it is It is so rapid, isn't it? And I think it's interesting because the, the pandemic does give us all a, an absolute reference point in time, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it, it, you know, and, and to me, it doesn't seem like, it definitely doesn't seem like that long ago since pandemic and obviously it wasn't really, was it? And, and I think that just highlights the, the speed that you have gone from from living in your sister's basement to to where you are now, which is absolutely unreal. So we're definitely going to dig into that. So so when you say what you're working on now, what does that what does that entail? What are you doing right now? Too many things is usually the answer. Um, so <laughs> I run my main travel blog. I also run She Knows SEO, where I teach SEO and AI to bloggers. And then I have two other niche sites that I kind of attempt to work on, but I'm a very negligent parent. And I am definitely not one of those people that's good at the big team outsourcing thing. I like to do it all mm -hmm. myself. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of working on being a person and not only working, which is definitely a problem I faced last year. Okay. Yeah. So, so quite a few things going on. I think that's, that's interesting that you said you've got too many things going on. So it's almost like you recognize that you have taken on a lot. There's a lot, you've got a lot of different things and a lot of pies. Um, but for those of you that don't know, uh, and maybe don't know the person I'm about to reference, Niche Site Lady, she started this race to 100K challenge last year. And I, I'm guessing if you didn't have, and you did, you you got there, you 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 know, you hit that 100K milestone mark in one month, which is unreal. So amazing, well done. Um, but but I'm not sure you would have got there if you hadn't had your finger in so many pies. So yes, it might oh, be no. a hindrance, but obviously it's a massive benefit as well, and it, it paid off for you. I think it works for me. I have ADHD. I just got diagnosed in September, actually, so not very long ago, and. I guess I, I've kind of always jumped from thing to thing. I love a challenge. I love testing things. Um, I also just change interests pretty frequently. So like getting to do everything makes sense for me. And it's one of those things where people are always like, how are you so efficient? How do you do all the things? And it's mostly active procrastination is like when I don't want to do something I need to do, I will find everything else. So I try to put the things in front of me that are like, fun procrastination. I shouldn't really do them. So like I needed to prep for a summit I was speaking at last year. And instead I didn't sleep for 48 hours. And I just like created a list of 350 chat GPT prompts for no reason. <laughs> Later it became a course that I've been able to sell. So it's one of those things where like I've been very fortunate to kind of know my brain well enough to adjust to what I need. And then I've also built a really great community who I tell the ridiculous things I do and the fun experiments. And like I coded a plugin with ChatGPT. Did I need to do that? Not really, but it turned out amazingly well. And it's something I give away for free now because I want to be a tech developer. So I don't want to have to troubleshoot. I'm like, use it, have fun. But like I would not if I think I was one of those people that stuck to one thing, was very regimented. Um, had a to-do list. My to-do list are like three different notebooks that, and on my computer. And then my VA just texting me every now and then and being like, um, you said you would do this thing. And I'm like, no, I have to do it right now. And then I can cram it out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask how you keep yourself accountable because obviously you've got your VA. So that's the one side you've got your, your notepads. And is that another benefit to having this, this community that you speak to, you know, whether it's on Twitter or private communities, is there an element of accountability there? So do you actually kind of actively go out and say, 
I am now working on this or I have now got to do and because I, I I'm kind of like you I'm I'm not ADHD or I'm not I'm not diagnosed as that but I, I I very much have this brain where it will flip from one thing to another and I want to start something new and I'm very good at starting things but I'm not necessarily brilliant at finishing them and I know that's a definite weakness of mine uh so like I'm quite happy to get 80 to 90 percent there but get into that finish line is, is difficult for me so how do you kind of keep yourself accountable in that way is it so is it those communities yeah yeah so i will post and i'll say like hey i'm working on this thing or do you guys thing and because i'm such a people pleaser i'm able to kind of like work that together almost and be like oh no someone will be mad at me if i don't do this thing and i know that like realistically there are people online someone's mad at you always so like you have to get it but um yeah i will tell them i find also just like setting an alert in my calendar for like 24 hours ahead of time because i'm still i've only been out of university for a few years so i'm still in that mentality of like okay deadline we have to cram it out the night before and i'm lucky that i'm a very efficient person i write really quickly um i also just i think i've gotten over perfectionism a little bit and i think that's the thing is one of my university profs I was doing um, my undergrad, she told me done is better than good. And I think that's the best thing to think about. Like not even done is better than perfect, which I think is the normal saying, but done is better than good because your good is probably 10 times better than someone else's. And also like you're always going to keep adjusting so if you write that blog post and it's perfect today in a year you still have to rewrite it so like do it to 80 percent and you're already doing it like 60 percent better than most people and same with a course like in my first uh, recording of like my main seo course my dog was a puppy and he has this he is such a main character so i had this like big and he always would come over and like smack his lips in front of it after he had her, or he would like jump up into my lap to like be on camera and at first i was trying to edit it out and be like okay no we don't need him in it got to be professional and then i was like who cares honestly <laughs> like yeah. it's fine i mean even in some of my youtube videos he barks in them and i'm like okay whatever it happens so i think getting over that perfectionism was a big thing and then just having people in my sphere who can do the last 10 percent. so like my va is very detail oriented i know everyone hates personality tests and i kind of did too but it was actually really helpful when hiring her to be like okay take this test and then i could see that these people were detail oriented of like the candidates and i gave them a little like mini test basically again to see who cared about details and she was so on the ball and even now, like, you no, know, I used to send out emails with missing. If you've been on my list for a year, you will have seen all of those. And it's always when I send them, not when she does, because um, I give her time off. But like, it, that was a big thing is having someone who can do the polish for me. Um, and yeah, just know your strengths and play into the hire out your weaknesses, because I'm never going to be detail oriented. I will be detail oriented the first time I ever do something. And then when I don't get that dopamine rush anymore, I get sloppy. And that's when I need someone else to come in and clean it up for me. That's fascinating. I almost feel like you're describing me when you talk about <laughs> yourself there. It really is. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you ever met Mads, Mads Singers or if you've come across him online, but he, I, I met Mads in in London in June, I think it was June or July, and he literally profiled me within two minutes of meeting me and he said the reason you've had so so much success is because you just get stuff done mm -hmm. he said but what you now need is someone that's going to get you from that 80 percent to that 100 percent." and he literally said what you said there he said you need those yeah. those people that are detail oriented and will do the things that you can't do and he, he literally profiled me in two minutes and <laughs> i'm pretty that's sure he'd probably said the same to you yeah uh fascinating so so you did I, I looked at your your website, um, and you you talk on there about failing. You talk about failing for four years, or maybe a little bit longer than four years at blogging. We're talking about now, so four years is a hell of a long time to work at something and not see a great return. And again, your definition of failure might be very different to another person's definition of failure. So we might need to dig into that a little bit. But what was it that kind of kept you going? when you know, you're in that third year or that fourth year and it's still that uphill struggle, what kept you going? Well, it started 
honestly as a way to just kind of tell my life wherever I was in the world. So I never expected it to be this thing that would make me money. I didn't even realize that was a possibility. I kind of thought it might get me some free trips. And I was like, that'd be nice. Like, sure, that'd be great. Yeah. I was very, very broke. So I was like, please pay me to go to cool places. But it was mostly, yeah, just for like my mom and my grandma to be like, okay, Nina's alive somewhere in New Zealand. And even though she's not answering her phone, because I am the worst at that, they could tell I was somewhere out there. And then I think it just became kind of a fun hobby. Like I, I love massive fun hobbies. So I started writing novels when I was like 11. I think I finished my first one when I was 11. It's never been published. It's not going to be, it was terrible. But like I sat there for three months, maybe maybe five, I'm not actually sure, I don't remember anymore. But I would just write in the corner by myself. I had no expectations of anything coming from it. So I think I've always been kind of good at that. And this was kind of, it was meant to be a hobby. Now, my whole family are lawyers and some of them really love it. A lot of them really hate it. And it's expected that like, I would have a life where I would have a job that I hated. It would be soul crushing and every day and it would just suck. And something that would be fun on the side. And that was kind of where I based I was like, this is gonna be my fun extra thing that lets me enjoy life a little bit while I am losing the will to live at this job every day. And that kind of kept me going for a while. And then eventually um, when I did my podcast, I realized like this could actually be a thing. People are making money at it. And I only thought people were making like 2K a month. I had no idea the numbers that I'm doing were feasible. Um, like my travel blog does post HCU is definitely lower, but it was doing 20 to 30K consistently last year. Um, now it's closer to about eight, but also I write about Canada and no one comes here in the winter because it's horrible. Can yeah. attest to that. I don't recommend it in the winter, um, but that's still more than I ever thought it would make. So yeah, I was kind of convinced as well. My whole family told me my whole life and not in a mean way, just in like a Nina's an artsy person who can't commit to things kind of way that I was going to make 2K a month and live on my sister's couch. And the joke was always like my little sister would need to have her couch ready for me. So I was prepared for that. I was mentally like, okay, that's going to happen. So I don't necessarily need to worry about making money in a sense of like a super successful way. And definitely I tie success to money. I tie worth to money as well, which is not healthy and I'm working on that. Um, it was that for a while, and then eventually, family started saying, "Like, okay, you, just, you need to go to law. You need to, like, be a law clerk." So that's a bad thing, which is not. It's a great career, and people who enjoy it should definitely do it. Um, and then I am a very spiteful person, so I was like, "Watch me!" <laughs> and I figured out how to do it. I think that's really interesting. That yeah, because you, you, that was kind of what I expected you to say. That everyone thought I couldn't do it. So I, I set out to prove them wrong. Whereas actually that wasn't really the, the kind of mindset. You said at the end there you had a little bit of that, but that wasn't kind of the main driving force. So I think that's that's absolutely fascinating. So did your family, you know, you said you've got this family of, of lawyers predominantly. How did they see this as a career for you or as a, as a possible opportunity? So when you said that some of them liked it, some of them don't, did, do you mean uh, with regards to their own jobs? With, their own career their own jobs yeah, yeah. so, like, so, like, so in, in terms of this as a, as a job or a career how how did they react to that or was it just not even like that's not a real thing <laughs> they're still not really sure it's real um they yeah like i was actually just visiting my family recently and like every time i see my mom for the last year she's like okay explain to me how you make money like how does this money come into your account and I try to explain it and she can't get it. But I also don't understand how she makes money. She's like an SVP at one of the banks in Canada as a lawyer there. And I'm like, you get paid in stocks, but they don't come in for years. And like, it, that makes no sense to me. So I think it's like, I just don't think you know what your family does ever. Now, the biggest supporter I've ever had is my grandma, who is 94, heavily Russian, um, blind, which is why like, if you follow me anywhere, you'll know that I am such a big proponent for alt text. Um, she's unfortunately got dementia right now, so she is kind of losing it a bit. But every time I see her, she still mentions the blog. And to me, like, that's the biggest thing. 
she still wants me to go to law school. She does not believe it makes me money. She has no understanding of it. Um, but it's still that she cares about it and she knows that it's something that I'm passionate about that I really appreciate. My dad is very old school conservative where he's like, well, anytime I, I'm like, okay, I had success, something great is happening. He's like, well, just save your money because you don't know when it's going to go away or like, or it's never going to happen again. Like when I had my first $30,000 month in November of 2023, 20, yeah, no, 20, 2022, losing track of years now. He was, <laughs> he was like, oh, well, that's never going to happen again. So make sure that you're saving it and investing it well. And it was just kind of like a not nice thing to hear. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, I went on to have many more months like that and beyond. Um, but he doesn't mean it in like a disparaging way. He just genuinely doesn't understand how I'm making it happen. And so his concern is because he doesn't get it. He's like, save it all. And I only realized that recently, my sister's an architect who builds like mansions for these rich people in Muskoka in Canada. And I saw him say the same thing to her. And I was like, oh, you just don't understand anything. That's not what you're doing to make money. So I think they mean well, but it's pretty common that your family will not understand what you're doing. And especially if you're not like getting press trips and things, they genuinely don't care. <laughs> They're just like, eh, whatever. Um, the one thing actually niche site lady, I'm really thankful to, for this for her, um, for many things. She's really amazing, but she's been talking about posting in your Facebook page a lot more mm. and like promoting your blog there. So I started testing it and that is the only time my dad has ever read my blog was wow. when I started posting about it there. So if you want your dad to pay attention to your blog, uh, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, then I suppose that's the uh, the target age for, for Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. So you 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 had this period of time, three four years, where you know you were plugging away. Okay, you didn't really know what the success was going to be. You weren't really necessarily striving for it. So what was it that changed? What was it that was there something? I, I think I think again, I've read on your blog that SEO changed your life. So was it? SEO, which is search engine optimization for anyone that doesn't know, which essentially is about ranking in Google or what is that what it was? Is that what changed everything? I think that was the catalyst. So it was, I kind of started trying everything. And I think that's a problem many people face is that they're like, okay, I don't know how to have success. So I'll do whatever someone else is doing that might work. And I didn't know what was working for them. So I was copying random nonsense or I was like one week I was, I do TikTok the next week. I'm called Jump Rope that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> then I would do web <laughs> stories. Then like, and I just something new. And so I wasn't giving anything time to work. I had no actual strategy for anything. So it all just failed. Like I literally have a TikTok that was like me dancing and like pointing at things for no reason. <laughs> like it just it didn't serve anyone. I had no idea who I was talking to. And even at that point, like I think I first learned the term SEO in November of 2020. I like heard it. I took a course on it in January 2021, but I did the dumb thing of like I watched maybe three lessons and then I was like, oh, I get it now. I'm, I'm perfect, which is I, had, I knew what a keyword was then, um, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I kind of sat my end of 2021 and I was like, okay, I need to actually figure out what I'm doing with my life. Like I'm in my mid twenties now. Um, I have this very expensive dog who I was going into a, he's a service dog and service dogs in Canada can cost anywhere from like 15 to $50,000. Um, and I had no money for that. So I was sitting there going like, I hate my day job. I was working three other jobs to try and like pay off the debt of my service dog. I needed something. And my blog was the only thing I enjoyed. And when I looked at what had been working, it was SEO. Not great, but it had started to work. So I was like, okay, I need to, in a year, either really make this work or I do have to go back to law school and do what everyone's saying. And unfortunately, like I am one of those people where I believe everyone else knows better than I do with my own life. So I was like, okay, they're saying this is better for me and it'll make me safe and happy and financially stable. So I should just listen to them. So I was very ready to do that, but part of me knew it wasn't right. And like, 
even when I turned down law school the first time, Berlin, I like moved there for two months for the Christmas markets. Um, and I got like a stale Starbucks cookie because chocolate chip cookies are my favorite, but they're not a thing in Europe. And I got it and I was more excited about that cookie than I was about a full ride to law school. And that kind of stuck in my brain where I was like, yeah. I shouldn't live my life more excited by a Starbucks cookie than the future. And so I basically told myself like, you have a year, you're actually gonna invest money in this. Cause at that point I'd invested maybe $800 total over the whole time. Um, I was with Bluehost, so hosting was like nothing, which was ugh, a mistake. Um, I had like the cheapest domain name I could find. I had bought that one course and that was it. I had never purchased anything else. And so like nothing was growing because I didn't know what I was doing. So I sat down, I definitely invested more than I would recommend most people do. I invested $12,000, which was Canadian. Um, so probably about 10K US. And I don't think you need to invest that much. Um, but that really pushed me too, because then I finally also had a reason to work on my blog. I also started telling people that I wanted this to be a thing. So for so long, I would joke and be like, oh yeah, like that literature degree is serving me well, or oh yeah, like the, my blog. And I would like say it in that tone of voice. And so you're not prepared to work on it, disparaging it. And I think committing to it was the biggest thing giving myself kind of a deadline and a deadline for something that I didn't want to do. Um, so it was like, okay, you now need to actually work on this thing. And then I started investing in it. And what I invested in was SEO um, with me actually doing it properly, getting um, the right strategies in place. And most courses that I found out there aren't for travel bloggers and travel yeah. is, I still maintain it's the, people can fight me on that, but I do think it is, the hardest niche for a lay person because anyone can do it. So like definitely finance, you actually need to be in finance, but, but if you're in finance, it's hard. Um, travel is challenging and it's really hard to niche down because we're just excited by it all. Yeah. So that was, yeah. So I think SEO definitely changed my life because it gave me a purpose and a focus and it also I don't know, something about it just clicked for me in a way that the other things didn't. So like Pinterest, I've never understood Pinterest and I don't know why, but it does not click for me. Um, social media, like I'm chronically ill. I can't show up every single day on my Instagram stories. I can't do TikTok turns out because I cannot dance. So like <laughs> something that works for me and I'm a very wordy person. I mean, you can already tell, I keep answering long form. So SEO was definitely the way to go. And it gave me also like the passive, the passivity, I guess, I don't know if that's how you, um, to work in batches that worked for my brain too, where nothing else gave me that option. Mm -hmm. No, fantastic answer. I, I actually think, yeah, I, I love your long form answers because you're going into such depth. And I think it's so helpful to people because there's going to be so many people that are watching or listening to this podcast that are going to be going through those same things and having those same questions and those same doubts and the same reactions from family members and, and the same financial struggles, all those things that you've gone through. So there's going to be something that's going to resonate with people. So I think the more that people can see that and hear it and that people have gone through it, then the better. And I absolutely agree with you as well on the, the, the travel blog space. We started a travel blog, myself and my wife, 12 months ago, pretty much to the day. And it's still in its infancy. We're still, you know, every other niche that I've gone into pretty much, I've seen pretty good growth from an SEO point of view, at least within nine to 12 months. Whereas this one, we're still plugging away. We're still trying to grapple with Pinterest and Facebook. Like literally we've just set up Facebook ad campaigns today for it. So, and and plus just the content side of things, like you said, so, it is difficult to niche down because so, it's just such a vast niche, isn't it? And, and, you know, if you are passionate about travel, then you probably like all aspects of travel. So it's like, what do you focus in on? So yeah, no, I, I agree with you there for sure. Um, so, so when the, when the growth did happen, was it, how fast was it? Was it literally like you went from, I mean, when, when you say you were failing after three and a half years, say, was that, was that like two grand a month or was that less than that? Well, it was live per month. Okay, so, so, so um, it was negative. So, so what was the point yeah. where it went from negative to making a profit and how fast did that happen? In June, I didn't make any money before my first month in Mediavine. 
Um, so, well, that's not true. I had money off of She Media, but it was all being eaten up by other things for a while. So basically what I was doing is I would do those like Facebook group comment swaps. So I spent 120 yeah. hours a week doing that, which is not good. And the best month I ever had, I got 30,000 page views, but a chunk of that, I talk about living abroad. And some of that is living in Canada. And so during the US election, a lot of people were looking into moving to Canada. So I had a post go like minorly viral and that was my best month ever. So I got my site onto She Media. I don't recommend it, to be honest. It was not a great experience, um, but also like you're locked in for a year. And as someone with commitment issues, that's not fun. Um, but it didn't pay very well. And the money that I was making from it was so negligible that it was genuinely just being kind of sent back to pay for what the blog had already cost me sort of a thing. Um, so it did not do well. I had affiliates on but not in a proper way. Like basically anytime I mentioned the word, like let's say New Zealand, I would link to a random tour about New Zealand. Never the same one, never one that made any sense. I just threw links wherever. So yeah, it wasn't making me any money. The only way it was kind of monetized was I was doing freelance writing and some people had found me from my blog or from being in these Facebook groups talking about it. And I was actually doing what I think now is kind of not good to be honest, but I was teaching about SEO before I was doing it for my own site. And it is like, I was doing it for non-travel blogs and it was working really well. So I worked for, um, there was a law firm in the States that hired me to do like basically elder abuse articles. And it was the worst job, just so disheartening, but it was really easy to rank for because they had the expertise. Um, and so I was able to talk about like, okay, I've helped these other sites, here's how. Travel bloggers kept coming to me like, help me. And I was like, okay, for like seven an hour, because I don't think it was even worth that, to be honest. I think it was, I think I gave good advice, but I don't think I was in a place in giving the advice. Like it's some of the same stuff I say now, um, but I should have waited till I really knew what I was talking about. Um, and so that was, again, negligible money, but it really, the first month I got into Mediavine, it was the first full week of June and then it was like the ads turned on. So for those three weeks, I think my first month did $1,578 and change. And I only know that because I share the picture of it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's important to know how much you make when you first yeah. get in. And I have a lot of Canadian traffic. So I think for many people, they could do $2,000 in their first month. I think I would have been just shy of it. Um, but yeah, so that was my first money. And then there were some affiliates trickled in then but it was kind of mid when it really kicked in because i had a friend who do affiliates and i was like oh, maybe fine um i already had a newsletter as well that was doing really from a quiz that i had turned on just for fun but it was getting 1300 people a month so i sent them a couple affiliate links and things blew up which was really cool but that's the thing it's like when I talk about delayed gratification with blogging, I think I had some of the biggest delayed gratification because I didn't know what I was doing. And so when I started, like, I call it like my six month Mediavine push because it was basically beginning of December 2021 when I was like, I need this to work. I need to get this going. And I thought it would take all of 2022. I had no idea it would take me six months, but that's all it took in the end. So like, in December, I sat down and was like, we need to redo this whole site because there's a bunch of nonsense. So I no indexed and deleted 80 posts total. I never remember if it's 30 or 50 that I deleted. Like I, one of them was no index, one of them was deleting, but I don't remember the exact split. Um, and then kept 100, rewrote all 100 of those posts. Wow. Um, and then started going from there. Like I picked a niche. Um, I went through and because I was auditing posts, traffic plummeted. So it didn't actually like hockey stick upwards. It was like war trenches for a while and then hockey stick. And then the big thing that really changed it was zero volume keywords, which for people who don't know SEO are basically the big moron because they're not actually zero volume. They're just keywords that people, people are searching, but the algorithms and these tools that we use don't tell us people are searching for. And the great thing is that like, because you don't have a ton of competition, you can write on them, just give your help and then move on. There's not a ton of like extra backlink building or um, things that take a lot of time. You don't need to have 
20 million images. I cannot take a good photo to save my life unless it's of my dog. Um, he is super photogenic, so it's not even me. He's just really cute. But all my photos, my sister's dog pushed my tripod off a waterfall once, so all my photos are crooked and I don't even bother fixing it. So um, like because of that, these, these are easier because I don't need to have a million photos. Yeah. So that was like a big thing for me. And it was really like the last month I, I, again, I still thought it was going to take me months, but in that last month, my site grew by 14,560 or something sessions in a single month, which was beyond my expectations. And I also, to be honest, I'm a very negative thinker, which I try really hard not to be, but I am. So I was like, okay, it's going to get there and then it's going to plateau. But it just kept growing after that too. Oh my God, this is amazing. And the cool thing was I stopped working on it for a few months because I was working on my courses and people now wanted me to teach about it and help them with their blogs. And so I kind of let it fall by the wayside a bit, but it just going. And in the summer of 2023, it hit 245,000 page views in a month. And I was road tripping for six months, not touching it. So it was pretty amazing to see how it just kind of kept going on its own. And that was like, that was success for me. It was like, the passivity of it, which I keep saying, it's a word I've seen written, but I don't actually know how to pronounce it. Which happens I think all you're right. Time. No, I think I think yeah. you are right. Obviously, yeah. so at that point when you were road tripping, it was totally passive because obviously it's not totally passive. You've put a hell of a lot of early work into it to get it to that point. But at that point in time, it's exploding, it's growing, it's paying you awesome, incredible amounts of money, and you physically are doing nothing on it at that you know, for that month or those few months? Yeah, I think like, I definitely was still sending the newsletter, but honestly, I also broke the newsletter because I was running a test for my, this is something I do a lot too, where for my students, I don't mind wrecking my own income. I have so many sources now. So I was like, okay, we'll wreck the newsletter income a little bit and test yeah. what is actually like the best type of email to send for travel bloggers. Like what's going to convert the best because you see all sorts to figure it out. And so for a few months, it wasn't doing very well with the email affiliates, but the site kept, that was great. I probably logged on and published like maybe three posts in that six months. Um, but I definitely, I did work in like January March beforehand. So that's the cool thing is you can kind of front load it and then go have fun wherever you are. I was like in the forest and stuff, I'm like by myself with my dog hiking, I had no service and could just have some fun and it was paying for that lifestyle which is something i never yeah. would have never would have hoped for yeah brilliant so let's pivot for a second then over to you just mentioned your course so let's talk about that at what point did you so you said probably before you should have been you were yeah. consulting and giving advice but obviously that's that's kind of that is a good way to learn as well as to 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 coach and to to you know, educate, you still, you know, you solidify your own learning that way. Obviously we're not advocating teach before you know, not, you know, anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so how did the course idea come about? Was that because, because I've just launched a, a, a kind of a course, like a project. And one of the reasons for that was that I was getting so many people that were asking me for help and you can only help so many people on a one-to-one -one basis. That was my reason. Was yours similar? It was very similar. It was that. And also like I was in a few groups as well, where I was just hearing the person who was in charge of it spouting nonsense. And not always, like, there was one I was in that was truly the worst, it was $6,000, worst investment of my life, terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, and so my problem was, like, the person in charge kept telling people, just put a keyword in once and it'll work. And I was getting so infuriated. I was like, no. And so I started basically coaching inside of this other person's thing because I was so upset that someone was misleading other people. And, but I also like, honestly, cause of my ADHD, I need to do stuff like that. Like I'll be in another membership where the person in charge is amazing. A friend of mine, I'm still in it to this day. Cause I really love the goal setting sections of it. Like, and she's very, very much, she's one of those people that will yell at me and be like, you said you were doing this last month and now you've not mentioned it at all. Like, are you done it? Did you just give up on it? What's happening? And I love that she calls me on that. Um, but she like, even in her, she knows SEO but she would just let me go off in the comments and stuff or in like the chat because she knew I needed it to keep my attention. And so I can seem very much like a Hermione from Harry Potter, like a bit of a know-it-all because I, I also just like helping. So I was in a bunch of Facebook groups helping 
And I was seeing again and again that people had taken a very popular general SEO course that I think is a solid course. I just don't think it works for travel. Um, and people were like, okay, but how do I apply this? Or I can't figure this out. And I wanted to help, so I was helping. And then everyone wanted to hire me for my services, which is a really, really flattering thing. But I am chronically ill at the time. I was still, like I was working at the law firm even up until my second $30,000 a month. And I'd intended to keep working there, honestly. Like I quit two months earlier than I'd intended. Um, but I was, yeah, I just, I wanted to help as many people as possible. And that was really my main goal. And I wanted to be able to make something that was not crazy technical too. And that was accessible to people who maybe also don't learn sitting down for three hours. So I do like micro lessons where it's very much like, like my course looks insane because there's, I think like 170 lessons, but most of them are like four to eight minutes long. That way it's also easy for you to go back and search it. Everything has an actionable step. There's workbooks involved because that's how I learned and I wasn't finding that elsewhere. So to me, it was just like spotting a need, um, being asked for it explicitly. And also the fact that I knew I wouldn't have time to do individual code as much as I'd want to. And I definitely, I do it once in a while. And I still wish I had more time and more, um, more ability to commit to it. Like my biggest thing is I hate have tos. I hate where it's like, you have to be somewhere and you have to log on at this time. And even like my VA setting up podcast interviews, we've had to like, she basically had to talk me off a cliff to negotiate a day every week where she's like, just commit to one day, <laughs> three weeks of the month, you'll be, some, you'll, you'll be at home, you can be in front of your, your laptop. And I'm like, but what if that's the one day I wanna like do something else? She's like, then don't do it that day. <laughs> and in a very nice way, like I believe me a bit, but it's, yeah, it's hard to kind of reconcile all of that. And um, yeah, so the course was basically me finding a way to like duplicate myself and make it more accessible to people um, and make something that I thought people needed that I didn't see existing. So it's been really fun to make. And I've since learned that I love making courses and I never would have thought that. I didn't think I was good on video. I didn't think I was a good teacher for a long time. I taught English in broad and everyone there told me I was bad at it. So, um, okay. <laughs> nice. there, they handed us a workbook and said, teach English. And I was like, what? <laughs> and everything yeah. was British English too. So it was like plaster instead of bandage, but no one prepared me for that. So yeah, I was not good at that. Luckily, um, term thing, but yeah, I think and it's- How do you uh, value, how, sorry, sorry to interrupt. How, how do you value your course? Because I, I remember reading at one point you, you increased your, your, the cost of your course. And I think that was a, a pivotal moment in the earnings and this in big influx that you got of, of sales when you did that. But I, I find it really difficult to value a, a product like that because how, how, you know, what do you have to base it on? Yeah. Other than, you know, like the, the, yes, there are other products out there that you can kind of look at. Um, I, I find it really difficult personally to, to, to price yeah. a service or a product like that. So, so do you feel like you massively undervalued it to begin with? I yeah. try to undervalue everything, to be honest. Um, so my course actually started where like, I think it actually started at $1,200, but that was including like a weekly call and it was going to Wow. include yeah. um, a blog on things that I realized pretty quickly I couldn't deliver. So I lowered it to 400 and adjusted the system. And it was honestly trial and error. Like everything for me with pricing, people always ask me like, hey, how much should I price this for or that for? I just pick a number and then see what happens. And I really like other things because I don't love making sales pages. I don't love email sales sequences. I don't find them super fun to launch things at $47 and I just do it all the time and that thing can become whatever other price later and I kind of go like okay once this many people buy it we'll take it up a bit um, once I add this many new things to it we'll take it up again and I still love having things that are low priced and I do I really believe in accessible pricing as well. That way it's not something that's going to cost $30,000 or whatever even though one of my business coaches was like up your price crazy and I was like mm, I, I don't want to spend that time marketing it and if it's not something I would spend I wouldn't and, and I just wouldn't spend that money because I, I don't know 
I'm still very new to having money. So to me, I'm like, oh, that t-shirt is 20 bucks. And it's like, you own three t-shirts, buy it. And I'm like, but I could use that 20 bucks for groceries. Like I'm still very much that person. So yeah, it's genuinely trial and error is my pricing. Um, and then basically if a friend tells me like, Nina, for the love of God, you have to increase that. I'm like, okay, we'll try it, let's see what happens. And that was a big thing. So that month when I had 100, I think it ended up being 111,000 in the end, um, once some of the affiliates canceled, it was, uh, I did 53,000 in a day from the um, increase of the SEO roadmap, oh, yeah. Wow. That's that's unreal. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Um, is you, I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I'm going to ask you this question. I'm not. I'm not sure what your answer is going to be um, mm-hmm. because, to me, there's no way you should. But do do you ever still suffer, or did you ever suffer, kind of imposter syndrome? Because I I definitely get that, and I don't feel like I should get it, but I definitely do. Um, and and I so said, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, yesterday I was. I've been sick as well. Whenever I'm sick, I feel like a vulnerable little puppy. So I was like texting a friend and I was just like, oh no, like maybe I'm not good enough to help people. Maybe I don't deserve this success. Like maybe I'm not like the best person in the world for this to be happening to or something, or did I work hard enough or whatever. And I like, I don't know, I also was raised very Catholic and I think the Catholic guilt seeps into freaking everything you do. but yeah, I get it all the time. And I get it because I also, I compare myself to everybody and I'm always worried that I'm not enough. And I tend to do too much because of it. Like I was, yeah. I actually asked my free Facebook group recently and I was like, what would you like to see? Do you want more from me? And they were like, less, like calm down. I need a minute to process what you taught us. I'm like, oh, I was here worried that I wasn't doing enough for people. And I think that's important to remember that like, your version of worth or your perception of what people might need like you can just ask them to to kind of feel good about yourself and to make sure that like you feel confident in it but i do think imposter syndrome shows that you care like i think that's kind of an important thing to have if you don't have any imposter syndrome you're probably a sociopath, which is fine. I mean, a lot of successful people are sociopaths. My sister is very proud to be very near the sociopath scale um, when she did a test in high school. But like, I, yeah, I'm always a little bit worried that I'm not enough at this. And that just pushes me a bit harder to keep looking at new angles of things. And sometimes, yeah, seeking external validation can be helpful. So asking for testimonials uh, for my birthday every year, I just ask my audience, I'm like, hey, how have I helped you? Like, what what have I done that you enjoyed? And that's, then I save them into a file on my desktop that's like called positivity. And anytime I feel like crap, I'll just open that up and get to like go through people saying nice things, which is I think a good positive. but yeah, I think imposter syndrome is 100% normal. Even if we feel like there should be some benchmark where it will stop, I don't think it ever stops. Yeah, I no, I agree 100%. I think it is normal. I think if you don't have that, then you're missing something and it probably doesn't give you the edge that you possibly need. Uh, yeah, fascinating. Um, so if there'll be people listening to this that are, are kind of maybe just starting out or, or are still seeking this uh, this, you know, big success. What what advice would you give to someone that's maybe just starting out uh, with a blog? Because it is a very difficult time in the yeah. blogging world. Like po- you, you've talked already about helpful content update. Obviously, that had an impact on on your earnings, uh, as it did for you know me and, and many many people. Is it still something that's viable? Is it still something that people should go into? Do you think? Yeah, I think there's always a place for this. I think long form, personally written content, and I use AI, but I use AI around my knowledge. And I think that's a really important thing a lot of people don't do, is they just go, hey, ChatGPT, what are your opinions on things to do in Rome? It hasn't been to Rome, we shouldn't trust it. But I do think there's always a space for it. And I think especially spaces where you can create a community. So that's the most important thing is figuring out where your people are and bringing yourself in front of them. So like I have a dog 
site that I have because I'm obsessed with my dog and I keep buying him Crocs. So I need to write them off somehow. Um, so I made a Facebook group and I like don't post in it. haven't really touched it. I think its name is just like kind of searchable enough that people go in there. Like I think it has 1200 people in the last like four months or something. And I don't do anything to it. And like, that's a great passive option for me that I can then go into and post when I have content to share people. Um, so I think that's, been an amazing way to work on it. And I think it's not necessarily that you have to have in diversified traffic sources. Three of my sites are still doing amazing on Google. One of them, I've just updated another hundred posts. So it's down again, because whenever you update, you're going to have a dip. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I a hundred gets still viable. I think it's just a bit harder. And I think the game is leveled up and we just need to like level up with it. And the biggest thing is going to be personal experience and expertise. So if one more person messages me and says, I want to start a travel blog, but I never want to travel and I want it to be about a place I've never been to and never want to go to, I'm going to slam my laptop closed because I'm like, don't do that. You don't like, blame me. I mean, not- why, why would oh. someone say that? It's just an absolutely ridiculous statement, isn't it? So I, find oh, it, I, I do find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do find it interesting that you talked about AI there because I know on your blog, you actually, I think you used the phrase AI changed my life. I think it might be SEO and AI changed my life. How did AI change your life? Is it just because so of the tools that you're using to help generate this content? Because obviously you're talking about a lot of content there. You, I mean, you've just said yeah. 100, I'm updating and rewriting 100 blog posts, which to me yeah. is like, that's mind blowing. <laughs> well, some of them were minor edits, to be yeah. fair. Like they weren't, they aren't all full rewrites. Yeah. There's 300 more I have to get through. And a lot of those are rewrites. Um, the biggest thing was like, I was working four jobs, one full time. I was writing for that estate law. I was proofreading. I was also um, working as an editor. Like I was just doing everything. And then I was also a service dog full time because I was trying to do it for the cheap and it turned out to be more expensive, which was a mistake. But like I was doing everything and I was so exhausted at the end of the day that I couldn't then sit down and write. Like I had the ideas, I had the content, but I was just burnt. Like I was so done. And so AI for me, like I started using Jasper in October of 2021. So like back when everyone still told you that like I'm going to kick your puppy or something, like everyone hated it. But for me, it just allowed me to get things done. And like, I, I think AI democratizes entrepreneurship because it gives us the ability when we're a small publisher, when we're in debt, when we can't afford a team of 100 writers or something to essentially use AI like a co-writer. And that's the biggest thing is using it as a co-writer, co-coder, code whatever because you're gonna to need to work with it and not just do everything for you. It's why I'm not a big fan of one-click AIs, um, especially for anything SEO related and especially for travel, they're travel for some reason. But basically like AI for me gave me time back and time was the thing I was the most poor in um, when I was trying to get that done. Very closely tied with money at the time, but it was a way for me to speed up what I could already do in a way that it wasn't like just destroying my brain and like sapping my creativity. So I have a hundred thousand words a week, which was so helpful because yeah. I, and that, that wasn't just for my site. It was also for like some of my, uh, my clients and I always approved it with them. That's a big thing. If you're freelancing or writing guest posts or doing anything, don't hide AI usage. It's just not chill. Like be nice. And like, if someone's paying you follow their rules, but yeah, it, it just gave me time back to be a human what I needed to be um, and really fast tracked it. Cause I did, I think about 12 posts a month and I was doing eight to 12 guest posts a month on top of working those jobs. Like I quit the freelance writing job in like March of that year. Um, I did quit the two other ones earlier, but so I was working a full-time job, a part-time job and this for the majority of that six month push to Mediavine. I couldn't if it was just me working and I couldn't afford to pay someone a reasonable wage to do it either. So AI allowed me to do that in a way more advanced pace, basically. Okay. And do you still use AI as much now or even more? Because obviously you've got the time now, but you still use it. I still don't have time, to be honest, because I keep finding other things to do. So yeah, I still use AI. I didn't like ChatGPT at first, but I've gotten the hang of it. I just found the chat bot version of like AI, like 
talking with it didn't come naturally to me at the beginning. And initially it was pretty terrible to be fair. Um, but now I think it's pretty good. I use it in Jasper. I know everyone like hates Jasper now. I still love it. So do what you want, use whatever works for your style, I guess. Um, but yeah, I still use AI a ton. I have some writers now. I tried in January last year to hire 40 writers as like a test and it was, I was meant to scale down. It was not going to stay at 40, but I thought 20. And I realized like, I just hate managing a team. And even the four that I have now don't do a ton because I kind of don't let them <laughs> because I prefer to do it myself. And the time it takes me to give them an outline and notes, I could have it done with the AI in that same time. So it's almost easier for me to just do it with AI myself. And yeah, I also, I'm a control freak. So I like to do it myself whenever I can, but I use AI constantly, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, I was going to ask you if you class yourself as an entrepreneur, but I think there's only one answer to that. So I don't think there's any point in, in covering that. Um, <laughs> so what's the, has there been like one massive mistake that you've made in your journey or, or is there a big mistake that you think you've made at, at any point that, that has kind of held you back or, or caused you to, to, to kind of uh, reverse your progress at any point? I suppose the, the, the lack of monetizing your site was probably a, a pretty big mistake and waiting so long to do that. I think giving in to the imposter syndrome a bunch of times. So yeah, not like deciding that I just wasn't good at things. And then like with the affiliates, I tried it like half-assed it and then went, oh, it didn't work. It's just not meant for me. I'm not good enough to do that thing. Even after my first uh, 30K month, largely from affiliates, I started just turning them off for some reason. So like in February of 2023, I like slashed my income to like, I think it was like 14, 12 or 14K, which is still a lot to be fair. But like, I just panicked. Like I just didn't feel like this was right for me. And I did it under the guise of like, oh, well I'm tweaking things or I'm doing this to make it better. But like I actively broke a lot of things for no reason. So I do think it's just giving into the, letting the imposter syndrome win. Don't do that. Like fight back. <laughs> yeah, because you talk quite a lot about negative thoughts throughout this podcast interview. Uh, how how do you kind of combat that? Because it sounds like you 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 do do things actively to do that. Like you you mentioned the 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 email that you send out and and, and get those those testimonials and the feedback, and you, you go in and dip into that. Has that been has that been a real struggle for you? And, and then I'll, as, as a kind of follow-on question, I suppose there's the, the financial side as well that, you know, you said yourself, you're not used to have, you're probably still not used to all this money that you've got coming in. And does that create further kind of negative emotions? A lot of us would associate that money coming in as being a real positive and being, feeling really good about it. But does it almost have the opposite effect? Yeah, I think finding positives is really hard for me and finding be, being great thing I, I struggle with mm -hmm. and it's something that like I have clinical depression and anxiety so naturally like my default is negative and I try really hard to turn it back to positive and that means a lot of therapy different like mindful techniques as well to try and basically like rewire my brain a little bit but every single day like I start at negative and I have to move myself to positive and it is hard to do um I definitely, I guess, trigger warning for some people if self-harm troubles you, but like I was on suicide watch a few times last year, even with my success, because the thoughts were so hard to get away from and it didn't matter the money. And I used to think, okay, if I hit enough money, I'll be, I'll feel better. And now I'll feel okay. And it's going to magically cure me. And it didn't because it's an internal thing that I had to deal with. And I definitely like, I chased dopamine all the time. So chasing a higher income is a huge and like that 100k month was insane honestly i never would have expected it and it was such a blessing but like every month since because i haven't hit it again since yeah i've been i feel like a failure for not getting there again and the dopamine of like like i'm still making literally the amount i made at the law firm for a year in a month and i'll still look at it and but you did better before and so you need to do that again. And it's hard in our industry as well, because like our our money is never salaried. So we're not getting a consistent amount every month. And especially for like my travel blog is hugely seasonal. And that's entirely by design, because I also hate we don't write about winter. 
and I try really hard to avoid writing about it. So I kind of cut myself off at the knees a bit there. But then it also means that every winter I struggle more with these thoughts and these issues of, okay, it is going down. And right now, like the economy isn't great. So a lot of travel stuff, I am seeking lower affiliate bookings. You can't afford it if you're struggling to pay for groceries and it sucks, but like that's a kind of part of it. And you have to accept some of it, things are gonna change and your income is not going to be exactly the same number every month. I've seen some like course sellers before who are like every single month, I make exactly $10,001. And I'm like, mm. no, <laughs> like you're just screenshotting the same thing. <laughs> What's happening? But like, it's gonna go up and down and it's, yeah, it's really, really hard. And I wish I had like an easy answer or anything, but like I've been in therapy for 21 years now and I'm not fixed. I feel still half baked. And I think it's important just to keep working on yourself and try to find moments of gratitude and things that make you happy. And so when I when I do have those bad days, I do try and sit with positivity instead. Um, and yeah, I try to keep lists of positive things. I serve his dog who does things to try and make me feel better, but also he is the biggest goof. So he always makes me laugh. Uh, one of the reasons he wears Crocs is just to make me laugh because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> wearing blue Crocs wandering around. But yeah, I don't, I think being an entrepreneur is really hard, especially if you have any mental health issues. And I do think most people have some level of mental health issues just because our world sucks. <laughs> You're kind of, it's a byproduct, but yeah, you just gotta find what works for you and work through it and then get support whenever you can. Well, thank you for being so honest there, Nina. And you know, I, I think you've been, you know, you, you're an inspiration. Your story is inspirational. I think there'll be so many people that can resonate with so many different aspects of it. And it really is a huge success story. So thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all of that today. Um, where can people find you? We've talked a lot about this course. We've not said where the people can find you. We will, we'll definitely link it in the show notes and the description down below. Uh, but tell us where we can we can find out more. Yeah, you can find me at sheknowsseo.co. If you go to sheknowsseo.co slash everything, you'll also find all of my freebies, including that plugin I talked about. And I have a content audit checklist to help y'all like set up um, your first site successfully and also um, an AI kind of cheat sheet to help you get started with AI. But my main course is called the SEO Roadmap and it's where I teach people how to start a blog, get like your niche set up, pick a niche, and then grow your blog to basically become a mini Nina. We go all the way from SEO to affiliates, to email marketing, to digital products, and even how to hire a team because I made a lot of mistakes and I want people to learn from them. <laughs> so it's all up there and you can find me on socials at Nina and on YouTube at uh, She Knows SEO. Brilliant. Like I said, all of that will be linked. Do go and check it out, guys. Uh, if you're interested in any of that stuff, which if you're listening to this podcast, you should be. So make sure you do go and check it out. Thank you once again, Nina. It's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks so much. <laughs>